Welcome to the Primitive Podcast. I'm Cade Wilcox, your host. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. We're joined by Dr. Amy Thompson. Amy Thompson is a pediatric physician, currently the CEO of Covenant Women and Children's Hospital, and just a phenomenal leader. Also a very, very faithful wife and mom. And one of the things I'm really excited about you learning about Amy is just what she's learned about leadership as well as being really faithful in other areas of her life. So thanks for joining the podcast and enjoy. Thank you so much for joining. It's fun to have you on the podcast before I have Dusty on the podcast. So hopefully you can rub that in his nose a little bit. But for those who don't know who Amy Thompson is, you know, um, CEO of uh, Covenant Women's and Children's Hospital, tell us a bit about your background and the work that you do now and all the good stuff. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I will certainly rub it in um, (laughs) that I um, am before Dusty. Um, So my name is Amy Thompson, and I'm actually a physician by training. So um, I am a pediatric hospitalist, proud to be um, working for Texas Tech when I still play doctor um, and stuff. So I still practice, um, and I'm able to do nights and weekends. I I was a reluctant um, administrator. I I was not looking to move into the world of administration, but just through uh, some circumstances that are just out of our control and you know, I think the Lord governs things. Yeah. And so um, was asked to move first into the chief medical officer role at Covenant Children's. And then now um, for the last five to six years, um, depending on when I was interim and, yeah. then, and then hired full time, um, I'm the CEO at, at Covenant Children's Hospital. That's cool. I'm married to Dusty Thompson. <laughs> um, and so actually this year we celebrated our 25th that's anniversary, amazing. which That's is awesome. which is awesome. My only question to my mom is why did you let me get married when I was so young? But that's <laughs> um, but that's good. And we have two kids, so I have Roman who is a freshman at New Mexico State this year, um, playing some baseball in New Mexico, and then JJ who is eleven. And that's I fun. certainly like being a mom best um, better than anything, and um, love my life my life with Dusty, and yeah. I always say he's. All kidding. I was saying I was going to rub in his face, but he's my hero. Yeah. So he's uh, he's definitely the better part of, of who I am. So yeah, thanks for a, having me. Yeah, he's a great dude. Um, uh, something, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the podcast is because, you know, I've known you about 10 or 11 years now, just mainly through Dusty, obviously. Uh, but something I've always admired is, is a statement you just said where, you know, you really love being a mom and, and Dusty's wife more than you love all this other stuff. And I've like seen that even when you were just practicing as a physician and something I've always admired. Um, like what, what process did you go through as you went through the transition of just practicing medicine to looking more to the administrative side? Because I'm, I'm no physician and I'm no administrator, but those two things are completely different, right? And so what was that journey like in, in the process? Absolutely. So, you know, what, what drove me to the bedside? I love being a doctor. I love, and I love being a doctor for kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think they are fantastic. Um, and that's all I ever wanted to do. The thing that was interesting for me was specifically in Lubbock, one of the things that we really wanted to do as a hospitalist group was kind of take healthcare for kids where it was at and move it forward. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that you realize as you're kind of being pushed into that administrative side of things is your ability to potentially do more good for more people if you can kind of get into a leadership role. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would say it was personally hard for me because um, 
there is n- there is no better personal thing that I love to do is to get to know a patient and their family one on one, be able to build a relationship with them, and you know hopefully make a difference in their life. But what we began to see with Lubbock and and specifically even with children's care is that there was a real opportunity to move that forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really the say. I always say that the thing that drove me from the bedside was that vision of wanting to do something you know, potentially, potentially greater and having a bigger influence than I could potentially have just at the bedside. Yeah, that, that is really good. Did you, did you grow up wanting to be a physician? I mean, at what point did you realize you wanted to be a doctor? Uh, I always knew. So yeah. interestingly, I joke, there was, there was an article in the paper when I first took the, the job of CEO, you know me well enough to know, it said, what did you want to be when you grow up? And I was like, I was trying to choose between basketball coach, <laughs> for those of you out there, I love the, the basketball so much. Um, or a doctor, and so it was really funny that those were my that's two, cool. you know, that was my two um, things. But yeah, always, always wanted to be a doctor. That's really cool. So, um, what what do you see your role now as as the leader of of the Women's Insurance Hospital? Like, how would you, like, when you think, you know, every year or every month or every week, when you're thinking about your role as the leader, what kind of buckets of responsibility do you kind of ascribe to your role as leader? You know, the thing that comes the most natural for me is what I would call the vision piece. You know, this is, we are here and I want to get us to here and kind of having these big dreams and we could change. My my husband, Dusty, used to joke with me that he's like, man, it wouldn't matter what you know, business you were in, you would want to transform it. And it's true. Like that, that's the part for me that runs easily through my veins is the part that says, Hey, this is a vision and we're going to move towards this vision. But I feel like that the thing that I have had to learn, and I feel like I'm still learning this many years in is that it's not just about getting up in front of folks and saying, Hey, this is the vision and this is where we're going. Um, but it's about loving the people that, you know, I, I am, as CEO of Covenant Children's, I am certainly in charge of taking us in a direction that's going to improve, you know, in this case, healthcare for kids and for women and at the Joe Arrington Cancer Center, you know, these kind of things. But it's also true that I've been put over those people, you know, and, and not just to help ensure that their job, I mean, I, I feel the responsibility of making sure they have a job when they come to work. But it's also true that I take very seriously, and I feel like the the area that I've grown the most in is understanding that my other job is to make sure that they love their job, you know, helping them see what good they can do every day and us taking care of them. And I don't know that I understood that when I first got into administration, is that there was going to be this other component of loving the people that you work with and taking them along with you. Um, And when they are struggling sometimes, change is super hard. And so it is easy to sit, you know, in my office and talk about the change, but then making sure that you're sitting with your people enough to understand, okay, maybe we're moving too fast. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe we got to, we got to get a little more buy-in here right. or understanding that people, um, people bring hard things to work. You know, they have these personal lives that happen outside of that and just giving people a lot of space. Um, but also understanding that that's the folks that are walking in to to your place every day and really taking that piece um, seriously so that that's where I feel like I've had to grow the yeah, most that's really good what when you think what uh, I think from the outside and I'm certainly an outsider when it comes to healthcare but when I think of healthcare you kind of think of what you see in the news the challenges of healthcare and just yeah just just the, all the wrinkles and the different layers and levels of healthcare 
and all the challenges you kind of hear about. So what, what has been challenging as it relates to both trying to, you know, lead an organization forward while simultaneously kind of dealing with this behemoth that is American healthcare? You know, I, um, the easiest part is when I go back to the bedside. And, and I will actually tell you the reason I will never give that piece up is because I feel like it's the thing that I do that helps get me back to the, to the perspective and the thing that matters, mm-hmm. which is taking care of the patient that's right in front of you. The hard part is if there was unlimited amounts of money and reimbursement <laughs> right. and you know, all of these things, that would be super awesome right. and easy. But the problem is we have, you know, American healthcare has undergone this tremendous transformation. And, you know, some of those are for reasons that we know. I mean, our healthcare costs too much. And even though our healthcare costs a lot, you know, you would expect if we're the most expensive healthcare that we should have the the best outcomes. And that's not always true, you know, depending on what you look at. And so there's there's needed to be some change in healthcare, but man, it, it creates you know, problems. And so I would say where the rubber meets the road for me is um, having to get where those two things can come together. You know, reimbursement is decreasing. We're getting paid less and less for what it is that we do. And so having to learn how to do that with less people, that's hard. Mm -hmm. Um, Having to help physicians. I got to be honest, when I'm at the bedside, I certainly don't think I'm thinking, gosh, I wonder if this is a more or less expensive right. antibiotic, right. you know, and, and like you're, that is just not the way that, that you think mm-hmm. at the bedside. And so getting into the administrative side of that has really, you know, it's challenging because I'm having to say, Hey, look, we have to save money and we have to, we have to do these things. But then it's like, when I go back, you know, I'm on this weekend. So this weekend, when I go back on, you actually can see and feel some of the impact you know, of the decisions that you're having to make. And I just think, I just think healthcare right now, um, when I was in med school, I had professors that would say, you know, change is coming to healthcare. And, and I, I remember one day when it dawned on me, oh yeah, this is it. Like, this is the change that they were talking about. And the way that I always say it to people who are like, you know, I'm thinking about getting into healthcare as a, you know, profession, you know, as an administrator, what, you know, what is your words to me? And I'm like, this is not for the faint of heart, man, because the the challenges are many. And I think it's an ever moving target, Mm -hmm. you know, about, about how to improve, you know, healthcare. So trying to do all of those things while making sure that you're still empowering people to do the stuff that really matters at the bedside. Yeah, it, it's super admirable. It makes a ton of sense that how how practicing healthcare then shapes your leadership, and and that's a huge takeaway for for all of us in a, in a position of leadership. How do you how do you go from kind of going crazy, you know, because you know you put your admin hat on and you have a role and responsibility. You put your physician hat on, and when those two things conflict or create friction, like how do you detach from that and try to be solutions oriented? Like, how do you how do you handle that? You know, the, the first thing that I would say is um, you have to have smart people around you. Mm-hmm. And I, I have the, the probably my biggest strength right now where I sit at the Covenant Children's Hospital is my team, my administrative team that's around me. And we try to discipline ourselves. So we meet every week together and we have a big executive meeting. And our goal in that meeting is actually to get to places where we can solve problems. And, and that's, I mean, it's a brainstorming every week of, Hey, this is the, you know, the situation and this is how we're going to try to solve that. Um, I would say that probably on that list is 
I think too many times, and I'll talk specifically to healthcare, I don't think we have enough physicians and people at the bedside in rooms making decisions. And I think we have to move to that. I, I'm a fan of having more and more physician involvement. And that's something that in the last year I have really understood is a place for me that I really need to step it up, is I have to make sure that I have enough input from those folks who are actually doing the work all the time at the bedside, from nurses and from physicians. Um, and then I, I think the hardest part for me um, is when I know the thing that we have to do and people don't want to do it. <laughs> and, and the fact is you, you have some choices, yeah. you know, right there. And, and I think that that's where you have to, you've got to get and explain, you've got to let people in. Look, this is what I'm dealing with. You know, the, these are the truths of both sides of this. How can you guys help me solve it? And what's amazing to me is um, when I give problems both to my team, but also to clinicians and, and folks that work on my floor, it's amazing to me to watch them come up with the solutions about how we're going to, you know, solve these problems. And so I think that, I mean, if I had to put it into a sentence, I would say you are not going to solve this problem by yourself. Um, and, and it's complex. Um, and sometimes I have to be like, okay, <laughs> I, I cannot figure this out today. We will come back tomorrow with fresh eyes and, and try to, to see both sides of that coin. Um, but yeah, it's hard. Are, are you an anomaly in healthcare? Be, because you've practiced medicine for so long and now you're uh, you know, the CEO, like, does that happen very often? You know, it's happening more and more. And, and I have to say, I, I like... I like that I see it going that way. And I want to be very careful. Um, I had somebody one time when I said that, said, you know, so you think all, right. you know, administrators right. should, you know, should be physicians. And man, I'm so grateful. When I first became the uh, interim CEO, um, I had been chief medical officer. And it, rather than replacing myself as the chief medical officer, the person I hired was um, a gentleman who I had known who had experience in operations and finance. And mm. I joked with him that I missed that day in med school. And so, yeah. you know, I, ne <laughs> I needed somebody who had that experience to come in. And I will tell you that those folks are invaluable. Um, and so I, I would answer it while we still have to have folks with operational and finance background to help us keep on target. Um, I do think it's helpful to have more physicians at the table. And it's something that you're seeing change a lot right now. I will also tell you, I came from, I'm a pediatric hospitalist and hospitalist means I just take care of sick kids in the hospital. So every time that I was on, I would go to the ER and admit patients. You know, I would see patients in the newborn nursery. I had patients on the floor. We were in the intermediate care in the PICU. And so I'd sent kids to and from surgery. So coming in, I understood operationally how all of those areas worked. Um, as a physician. And so I will say that there's even certain, like me being a hospitalist played a huge part in me understanding how the hospital worked. Sure, cool. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. I got more healthcare questions for you because I, I think it's so, um, you know, there's a lot of parallel in other, other uh, organizations. So for example, you know, we talk about how um, I don't want to. I don't want to ask this question leading. Okay, so if you disagree with me, okay. just punch me. Okay? okay, punch me out. So it seems like a lot of our healthcare problems is that we're just simply treating symptoms and, and we're not focusing as much on the preventative side of things, and that's really what plagues organizations all the time. Yep. Where where you're just constantly putting out fires, but you never actually kind of go backwards and say, 
what can we do to, to create a healthy foundation or, 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 or a healthy uh, you know, place to move forward? And so is that like, what does that look like? Um, what does that look like in a health in the healthcare context? Absolutely. This is a great question. And I do agree with you, um, which is lucky for you. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I hate to Fair punch enough. you like Fair right enough. here. Yes. Um, on my own podcast. In my own podcast. <laughs> no, the, the answer is that's, you, you get it because the, the fact is, and this is part of the reason I love pediatric medicine is because if there, if there is a way that we could change things when folks are kids, mm-hmm. we actually could make a huge impact on what's downstream for them, you know, in the rest of their life. And it's not just, I would say, it's not just even straight medical things. So I'll I'll use two examples. Okay, the first would be diabetes. Man, if we can get in and teach kids how to eat right, how to exercise, um, how to meal plan, and and that's hard, especially when you have a kid who is not in control of their own environment. And so like we right now are trying to do, we're doing some stuff with the YWCA and some, you know, different things like this to get into where we can teach kids these skills. Um, And so that would be a great example of something that like if we could change that stuff, my adult hospital wouldn't be dealing with so much hypertension, overweight, diabetes, you know, that that kind of thing. But I will give you one of the the other big ones. Um, I have the privilege of also being over um, our our mental health, um, even adult things at at Covenant Health. Um, And right now in kids, I'll talk specifically, we've got a big vacuum. Um, for kids in kind of that entire um, realm. We've got some great people in the city who kind of do all of these things, but it's very disjointed. It's hard to get in. Um, we don't have a lot of support, you know, in, in some of the places, like I mentioned, in schools where kids need it, need this. Um, but like if we could really get in, um, I actually prefer the term relational health because I believe that, you know, emotional well-being is how you relate with yourself and others and and learning positive ways you know to do that so if we could get into schools and do things like resiliency training um, emotional health training learning how to control your emotions learning how to do self behavior modification that's where you actually can see some dividends and so it's interesting for us that we certainly are going to build you know we're about to do a master facility plan. We are certainly going to build a state-of-the-art PICU where we can take care of the sickest of the mm-hmm. sickest kids. But we simultaneously want to be involved in things like we're doing with this deal that we just did with LISD. Well, we can try to support programs that are going to help so that we don't have to, you know, hospitalize kids. Right. I said this at the, the press conference we were having about the thing that we did with LISD is I said, look, I'm about to build <laughs> inpatient psych beds and what I hope is that we could as a city come together and figure out how to do so many programs before that I hope I build a unit and it sits empty that that would be the greatest victory is for me to build a unit and then never fill it up and that we would stop having to admit kids you know for these problems and you know specifically probably even adults I would love it if those hospitals would sit empty because we were doing such a great job at prevention that's good Thanks for sharing all that. I, I think what sparked that thought in my mind is what you're talking about in terms of, I don't think you used the word diverse, but like when you talked about surrounding yourself with, with leaders who were both physicians and admin folks and finance people, um, it seems like you're going to get better ideas. You're going to have 
you know, different angles and, and, and ways of understanding the problems. You're going to have better ideas on the preventive side of things. Like the whole thing just gets better, which is highly applicable to any organization, not yeah. just healthcare. And Absolutely. so I can see the value that you bring in that role being a physician. Um, and so it's just, it's really cool to see. How do you treat failure? I mean, certainly over the last five to six years, you know, yeah. you've made some great decisions and maybe you've made some not so good decisions. Yep. How do you handle that? You know, the first thing that I would say is I think people are afraid to stand up and talk about, I will tell that they're, that they're failing at yeah. some stuff. And what I always joke is if you're not, if you're not saying that you're failing at something, you're just not being honest with yourself. Right. Like that's leadership is an exercise in failure. failure. <laughs> um, and I would tell you most of the things, um, that I end up telling, like even the stuff that I will say on this podcast, I'm going to tell you the vast majority of those I learned by failing at them. Um, and, you know, so like we'll say things like, you know, communication is the most important thing that you're going to do. You can never over communicate. You know how I know that? <laughs> it is not. Yeah, that's right. It's not. It's not because I came out and you know and was so great at communication. It's because the number of problems that I've seen where I have failed to communicate well, and so then that allows you to make a statement like. Communication is super important. Um, I think that, you know, the failure piece, um, I just think you have to come to grips with the fact that this is going to be part of who it is that you are, both as a human, but also as a leader. Um, and I think you, you cannot spend too much time, you know, I call it navel gazing <laughs> about, you know, after you've made yeah. a poor decision, because I, problem, I promise you're going to make another one. Mm -hmm. And what I think you have to do is, um, I mean, I'll joke, have an action plan. Yeah. So like, okay, totally screwed that up. So, you know, how is it that I'm going to, to be able to fix this? But I will tell you, it starts with taking some responsibility. Your teams will not follow you if you make mistakes and don't own up to them mm -hmm. and say, hey, let me tell you how I could have done this better that probably would have saved us from being in this situation. And if you will model that for people, they'll they'll come along. And when they were part of that decision, it drives the ability for everybody to sit in a room and own their part of what caused things to go wrong. And then you're actually able to say, okay, how can we prevent this, you know, from, from happening again? I'm going to scripture you and say, man, the scriptures, when it says, forget what is behind and press on towards what is ahead, like you need to write this on your mirror and, and look in it because you're going to have to forget some of the failures that, and just, right. you just got to, you got to move on. And I had a, I had a exercise that was in a leadership, women's leadership group. And we had, we had this exercise and it was like, you're supposed to do this timeline of your life and talk about kind of these big moments. And certainly like for me, there were great moments like the birth of my children right. and, you know, the day I got married. So there was those kind of moments. But what's interesting is as I did the exercise, what I realized is these other big moments were either setbacks mm -hmm. or failures. You know, I tore my ACL when I was, I, I talked about, I love basketball. And man, like when I tore my ACL, as it turns out, you know what happened? Different perspective. Mm -hmm. And, and so it was interesting to me that when I looked back on those important moments of my life, I remember the day that I thought, wow, this is super interesting yeah. that like things that I'm telling you that I learned actually came out of either failure or sure. just hardship. Yeah, right. Suffering. Yeah, yep. it's really good. It's, it's really good. Um, how do you approach your own personal growth? You, you're responsible for all kinds of senior and executive leaders. You oversee 
you know, physicians, you oversee major stakeholders, you know, covenants owned by St. Joe. So you have those stakeholders, you have local and regional stakeholders, you got a lot of, a lot of people in the room. And so like, how do you, uh, in the midst of trying to lead well there, how do you lead yourself? Um, you know, I, I will tell you the things that I've done good and well, uh, good and bad um, with this. I, for the longest time, I feel like the number one thing that I had to learn was some delegation. Um, and, and the reason I say that is because when you're trying to do it all, people will let you. <laughs> They'll be happy <laughs> yeah. to let you do it all. And then what happens is you don't actually have enough time for the question that you just asked because all you're doing is doing all this stuff. And I have had to learn that again the hard way um, that I feel like if I had a goal for 20, you know, 2020 and then COVID hit, so right. we'll, we'll just <laughs> pretend we'll like that. Yeah, we'll pick it, we'll pick it back up in 2021 <laughs> is that you've got to create some space. You got to create some space to do things that your team needs you to do. And as it turns out, my team needs me to have some self-reflection. Right. My team needs me to go get some leadership training. I need to have some honest feedback from my team so that they can say, hey, let me tell you areas that you could grow in um, and, and being able to accept you know, that feedback. But goodness knows in the past, I am a doer and I like to lead like I like to lead by, hey, I will go, I will go with you and right. we will go to the front line and you know, we right. will lead. But as it turns out, like some of the things that I've needed to do need to come by you reflecting by you sitting alone, by me, you know, having those kind of times. Right. Now, I'm a Christian, and so what I will tell you is there is nothing for me. The, the day does not go well if I do not take time to be alone with the Lord. And I will tell you that's my, I'm not afraid to say it. I mean, yeah. that's the, that perspective for me. I can tell vast differences on days that I don't take time um, you know, people who say I don't have time to exercise, I don't have time to pray, I don't have time to read my Bible, you know, whatever those things are for you that feed your soul. Um, if you don't do those things, you are selling your team short um, by, by not providing for that. Sometimes I have to write really fast to keep up with my notes. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for your patience there. Um, no, it's really good. How, what, what are the, some of the biggest personal influences your own leadership journey? Like you, you, you um, certainly have an extensive academic career. You have to as a physician. But like, what are some of the biggest influences in your own leadership journey? You know, I would say um, a lot of them have been physicians, and I'll, I'll talk about you know things that I learned. Um, Dr. Um, Rick Lampy was my chairman in the Department of Pediatrics, which is where I trained. He was the very first physician I ever got to follow when I was in medical school. Cool. And I remember like lessons like that that, that are you didn't get at a seminar, mm -hmm. um, but watching the way he interacted with patients. Um, the thing that Dr. Lampy used to always say is, every conversation in medicine, you lead with what is best for the patient. And I will tell you to this day, that is such a discipline for me to say the answer to this question lies in what's best for the patient. Um, and so like he was a huge um, influence um, on me. Um, I, is it fair game to say that one of the biggest influences that I've watched lead has been my husband? I mean, I think he's a great leader. And, and I always say this because maybe, maybe it should be good if you, like I live with him. He's not perfect. Right. I, I mean, like I could, I, I could tell you what all the, you know, I, I don't want to pretend like, like he's something that he's not. Sure. 
but what he is is who he says he is. And I think he has probably taught me more about just being authentic. Like your people do not need a caricature of you. Your, your people need you and they, they need you to grow. They need you to be honest where you're falling short. Um, and the thing that I love the most about Dusty is the thing that I will hear over and over about him is when I hear him preach, um, he's just Dusty. And I would say that's the thing I like, that is what I've learned from him is like, just, just be who you are, be who God created you to be and fan those gifts into flame, you know, and don't, don't be afraid um, to do that. And then I will tell you my, the, the other thing that I would say is there was a gentleman that was the CEO of Covenant Children's before me um, and some unfortunate circumstances in his health or the thing that led, you know, to, to my even getting, you know, this job. And there are some folks like that. Um, he was maybe the most positive, glass half full, you know, kind of person that I had ever met. And that huge influence on on how I try to be. So I, I would say for me, almost everything for me has been watching great leaders, um, not perfect leaders, but great leaders, um, much more than I, I do read leadership books. I read leadership books and I, I go to seminars and I do that stuff. But I would say the biggest way that I've learned is, is by these influences and folks that I've watched lead. That's good. I resonate with that. I, I used to work at a, a, a church camp and uh, some of the, like still to this day, 37 years in, the most profound, you know, leadership examples for me are from this guy named Wendell Brown who managed maintenance at this camp for like 40 years. And, and I can just like vividly in my head, you know, see him leading. Yeah you know, and, and others out there. So I, I resonate with that. My last question for you, like if you could speak to your younger self, you know, 15, 20 years ago, what advice would you give yourself then knowing what you know now? You know, um, I think that the biggest thing um, that I would say to myself is um, it's okay to dream. It's okay to dream about the big things, you know, that you can do. Um, you don't have to be you don't have to come in knowing all the answers to what it is that you're going to have to do. What you have to have is a desire for the vision that you're going for. You got to have a drive, you know, to, to continue to improve, but man, like allow yourself to dream. Um, there is, I hope there's somebody out there who's listening, who is, you know, contemplating what it is that they want to do with their life. I never would have seen myself doing what it is that I'm doing right now. And so just allowing yourself to have a little more freedom. I think I, I think I, I didn't think I was capable of doing some of the things that I've, that I've been able to do. Um, and, th- and that's the thing I would say is just, you know, just like dream, dream about yeah. what God has for you and what, what potentially he could do, you know, if you just allowed him to, to lead wherever you needed to go. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. Thanks for all your time. Really appreciate you joining. Thanks for the great work you're doing. I, yeah. I, um, uh, I love telling people that I know this, you know, the CEO of Covenant <laughs> yeah, Women. Yeah. I mean, you're just, you're really smart, kind, you're a physician. I mean, you're really well-rounded leader. And when you have an organization of that kind of consequence, it's really, it's, uh, you know, it's encouraging to know that organizations and institutions that really matter to society are being led by, you know, really high caliber, high character people and, and you fit that to a T. So oh, Lubbock you. is uh, lucky to have you and Covenant's lucky to have you and we really appreciate your time today on the podcast. Awesome. Thanks for having Thanks. me. Thanks.